wishing that we could have some of whatever Javier Saletti drinks on a nightly basis. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Photograph of, of Mr. Sanetti, or series of photographs from the last 15 years of his career, uh, which I'll try and maybe post in the in the blog post to this podcast, which uh, is frankly a little bit scary. Um, so yes, anyway, whether he drinks the blood of virgins every night or, or something, it's it's quite incredible. Anyway, um, I'm Sam Kelly. I believe I it was um, Catherine. Catherine the Great or something, the um, the Russian emperor of the time, that to stay young used to bathe in the, to bathe in the blood of kind of her virgin ladies in waiting and everything. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe Sanetti has a similar similar strategy. Quite possibly, yeah. it, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, the really terrifying thing is that we've been looking at photos of him from when he was at Banfield and, and Tacheres even earlier in his career, and he really does look absolutely identical. He's basically not aged during the second half of his life. Um, I'm Sam Kelly, and as you've already heard, we're joined today by English Dunn. Hello. By Australian Dan. Hello. Uh, that will be the last word Australian Dan speaks on this week's podcast because he's not feeling very well. And by Joel Richards. Hello. Uh, welcome, everybody. Um, <laughs> Don't turn it down. Yes, of course. We know you're excited to be here. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. We try and go for a detached call. <laughs> in the pod. But, you know, it's, it's all, um, I never know whether I'm going to get the call up for the pod, so I'm so excited to be here. So. Raring at the bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's go. Champing at the bit. <laughs> raring at the bit. We didn't even ask him, he just turned up. <laughs> no. Exactly. Um, uh, where shall we start for, for this? Well, we've started with Javier Sanetti, obviously, but we can't talk about him for an hour. Even on this podcast, uh, people would start to complain, I suspect. Um, how did last week's weekend's matches go, guys? Did anybody catch any of them? I, apart from the racing one, which both me and Dan were at, which is why I didn't manage to watch well, it. The, the, the Boca game was basically took over mm. absolutely everything, didn't it? When uh, with the, the the ending where uh, the Belgrano were given a, a, a penalty right in the last minute, in, in time added on, mm-hmm. four minutes were were awarded initially, and then in the sixth minute of the four minutes added on, um, there was a, a brilliant goal by Nicolas Blandi, who missed a penalty earlier. Brilliant overhead goal to equalise, but obviously everyone was going on that. Uh, you know, there were mentions of Old Trafford and, and what have you. So, yeah. uh, See, this is why we like having Joel on, because he always remembers the stuff that we forget. <laughs> I was um, wondering about the official rules for that. It's kind well, of down top for me. Um, the time added on is, is a minimum, which is something that everybody, yes, yes. everybody in Argentina appears to have completely yeah. forgotten yeah. about during this whole thing. Yeah. But I refer more so, to the fact that, obviously, you know, if there's an injury, a stoppage of some sort, during you, time added on, you yeah, you stop again. Yeah. But does a goal and going back to the foot going back to the centre circle constitute a stoppage because often you say they don't add it on in normal time well I thought they they were supposed to I thought they were supposed to add this it. is what I'm asking basically like, I, I think that's one of the things that the they're supposed to add on 30 seconds or a minute yeah. it's, um, god yeah, knows I'd love to say that Bocca's goal shouldn't have counted but I yeah. didn't see anything wrong with it well, <laughs> well, I can understand why Alex yeah. got Rafael were, were pissed off but not at the referee sorry Rafael, I, said, I, said, I said Belgrano sorry uh, um yeah, two things. You're right. It's the discretion of the referee, and he told, um, he said to the players. Mm. There's, there's a lot of debate about this, but he, he told some of the players. He said, "Look, I'm adding time on." The other thing, though, is what on earth were they doing, going ahead and then conceding a, a corner, giving away a, a free header in the penalty area, and then not marking Blandy. I mean, no, so, so yeah. you know. Very yeah. Yeah, it was like they, they just completely stopped. I mean, yeah. they were, yeah. I guess they expected that that goal was was the end of the match, yeah. and they, they were just doing absolutely nothing. Like yeah. you said, not marking at all. And yeah. For me, it's a, yeah, it's a tough. It's kind of as we say, it's a judgment call for the referee because I know we've all seen. It's a bit of a cliche, but you know, winning a game with the last kick of the match and they restart and it's immediately full time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It could have gone either way, and I don't think they can complain particularly. But I think if I was a Rafaela fan, I would. 
be pretty peeved at my team and that. And obviously, yeah. you can rule out any conspiracy theories or whatever because he's just given a penalty to them. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. People were saying, "Oh, this is a disgrace," you know. And 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 the following day, people were still tweeting like, "Oh, has the Boca game finished yet?" And <laughs> yeah. and and the thing is, you know, and so, as Dan just said, well, hang on, they were. They had a penalty awarded against them, and time added on. So, yeah, I think that's, a, that's an excellent point. Yeah, we should also mention uh, just uh, right now that we're watching on mute uh, as usual. We have been there for the last few weeks now. Not this particular game, but the last few recordings. <laughs> the Boca game from Atletico Tucumán against Racing in the quarterfinal, the first of the quarterfinals of the the Copa Argentina. We've turned over from the Boca Juniors Copa Libertadores game because they've just got three one up on aggregate and counted out Union Espanol as away goal. So we've decided that that tie is officially over. <laughs> um, well, we're keeping an eye on Twitter. So if anything mental happens in it, we might turn over and keep you updated with that as well. Um, I think probably the, the other thing we should mention about the Boca game as well is that the draw they got against Rafaela means right, they lose their outright leader of the championship and they're joint top with Newell's Old Boys mm. who came back from one goal behind against Olimpo and yeah picked up a 2-1 win and another I think it's something like nine games undefeated now for Newell's yes I yeah. think that's right yeah uh, they're, they're in really good form Herado Martino as, as anybody could have Told you probably what has really short the defence up. They've got the joint best defence mm. in the league. Nine goals conceded with all boys and oh god, I think it's Tigre actually the other, the other one. Um, just off the top of my head, and yeah, they're they're playing very well. It looks like this title race is going to go right down to the wire. Yeah. Right? I mean, you think so? Yeah. If Boca are going to stay in the Libertadores, is it looks likely they will? You can imagine that they're going to they're going to drop the odd points mm. at the weekend if they're focusing on the Copa. So. And also given as well that there are other teams so close behind also. It's not like these the, the two leaders are way out ahead of the map like, like Racing and Boca were at this stage of the Apertura. I think Tigre uh, are one behind, Vélez another another further back. Mm. Yeah, Vélez yeah. could have gone outright. I think they're two behind. They could have gone obviously top if it yeah. weren't for the fact that uh, uh, one <laughs> bet your mortgage on this result's <laughs> prediction. No, no, two. <laughs> I mean, the other one was, was a Lumpo, yeah. Yeah, yeah so we, 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 we told you to, to do precisely that for the Southfield against Argentinos <laughs> Juniors. We said they would win and Argentinos promptly won 2-0, um, <laughs> which is the first time anything has happened in an Argentinos Juniors game for the last <laughs> best part of two years, really. Yeah. Uh, it was quite a turn up for the books well, uh, they, they continue an astonishing record there with their penalties didn't they they haven't missed a penalty since 2006 obviously Ortigosa had a, had a lot to do with that for, for a few years but they've had a number of penalty takers I think it's 26 consecutive penalties they've 100% record going you know, back to two, 2006 so um, it's a good kind of on the record speaking, speaking of penalties for a second going back to uh, Rafaela you know uh, the penalty that Gandin scored on Sunday mm. He's scored seven goals this year, which makes him the top scorer or joint top scorer in the league. Five of them have come from penalties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just love giving him Rafael a penalty, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I know. punishes him. To, to, come, to think of it, uh, I don't know if we mentioned Ortigosa missing a penalty a few weeks ago. Did we mention that on the pod? Uh, I don't think we did. No, so no, the no. first time he's missed a penalty no. in his professional career. First time not in, obviously. No, I mean, I don't mention No, I mean... Playing for San Francisco. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so he has like, how many did he have? Like 17? Yeah. In a row. Wow. Finally missed one. Yeah. That, that's, that's quite something. It's well, to be honest, every time he then. He, it got to a stage where every time he scored a penalty, kind of for the next week he'd be on in Ole and he'd be in all the, all the channels, kind yeah. of good, telling they'd be like, oh, well, what's your secret? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's only so many times he can be interviewed about how he, how he takes yeah. penalties. The, the, the goalkeepers don't wise up to how he's going to score. I'm going to explain exactly how I take penalties. He got really annoyed with, with, uh, with some of the journalists at one point. He's like, what well, well, can I do? Get me to give away all the secrets. Uh, the other result that really stands out on, I, I have now brought up the results from the weekend uh, whilst Joe was talking just then so that we don't have to flounder about quite so much trying to remember what the hell happened, um, was Tigre dismantling Union. It, it got quite bloody uh, at one point, <laughs> metaphorically speaking. Uh, you felt really sorry for Union by, by half time, they were already 3 0 down. Um, it looks like Tigre have rediscovered their mojo after that run of three straight losses, but they've got a very tricky uh, tie this this coming weekend. They've, they've got a trip to Colón. Um, those two are, I think, first and second in the form table at the moment in Argentina, actually. Yeah, I think Colón have won something like their last five home games. So mm. the, the jinx, the jinx of Santa Fe has gone for them now. So yeah, that's going to be that's going to be one of several tasty matches in the coming weekend that, that we'll mention a bit later on. 
Um, Arsenal, three independiente, one. Did anybody expect that? I don't think either of us predicted Arsenal no, to win that game, did we? Definitely wouldn't have expected that. No. I'm not quite sure what happened, given <laughs> independiente have had a bit of an upturn in, in form prior to that game. Um, but independiente, of course, are worthy of, of a mention here this week. Um, we should possibly have mentioned them last week, but uh, I, I like to think of my normal role on Hand of Pod as the kind of, let's say, the set of their on or shabby role of knitting everything very neatly together. <laughs> Nothing too fussy. But last week, with the uh, neither my voice nor my brain were in very good form, and I was thus playing more of a Stephen Gerrard role, pelting 75 yard Hollywood balls desperately over the two Dan's heads while they right. eagerly ran around and tried to pick up the mess. What's our role in all of this? Like? As, as a result of which, yeah. no, I, th- I think one of you is, is Andres Iniesta and okay. the other is, I don't know, Enzo Perez or something. Right. Um, <laughs> As a result of my Gerard-like brainless performance, <laughs> we, uh, we completely forgot to mention the uh, war, I think that's the actual word that's been used, that's going on at the moment between Independientes, Directors and Barra Brava. Um, it hadn't fully hit its kind of zenith when we recorded last week, but it did do the day after we recorded on Thursday, which was before the pod went online. Uh, when a group of Independiente Barras walked into the office of club president Javier Cantero and threatened him and told him to give them their flags back or they were going to throw their toys out the pram and start crying or something. Um, Along those lines, I believe. And, yeah, and, and a bunch of, perhaps more uh, than we might have expected, club presidents have been quite vocal in saying that they're actually on Cantero's side in all this. Yeah. Um, well, I've seen kind of, I've been reading a few of the, the responses and the messages and they've yeah, they've come out to support, but for me, the support's been fairly lukewarm, I think. One of them's kind of said, the best way we can support him is just by saying, oh no, the batters are bad. It's, it's pretty um, pretty wishy-washy as, as support guys, you know. Yeah. No kind yeah. of commitment to do the same in their clubs. And yeah, absolutely. And not only Naki's one of the sort of important figures, one of the important directors in AFA, uh, basically yeah. said exactly that. He said, well... I mean, yeah, sure, it's great what he's doing, but yeah. what else do you want us to do? Yeah. So, yeah. so he's not getting that much support. However, like, that's from officialdom and from the other, yeah. but for, uh, I think the, the support shown by the general public was, was tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think, I believe, either Thursday or Friday, the independiente fans, kind of the non-bara fans, are organising a march, kind of. Yeah. They're going to all kind of get together and show that they're on Cantero's side and yeah, not the bara side, which I think is the key, kind of. If the batter loses support of the normal fans, especially in a big club like Independiente, who can bring fans to the, the stadium without the batter, then that's a kind of a real, real step, probably more than one chairman or the AFA can do. You know, it's, it's been brewing at Independiente for some time, right? I mean, those of us who've been to, to some of Independiente's home games this season have already seen that uh, their agrupacion del hincha. Uh, the kind of non-Barra uh, fans group has set up an alternative popular on the other yeah. end of the stadium um, yeah. with, with flags and, and singing and stuff as well, singing often against the Barra and in support of the president mm. Yeah, um, I think, I remember mentioning it was either when Cantero took over at the end of last year or it was at the start of this year before the championship, he'd already kind of made noises that yeah. the funding was going to go from the batter and that was part of the selection yeah, kind of yeah. exactly as well. and the legs you know the legs were going to be cut off the batter kind of thing and I thought you know this is it's fantastic you know I don't say a lot of positive things about Independiente but I can recognise you know no, he's doing a uh, fantastic yeah. job you know because before we should say um, for a bit of perspective Independiente was probably the club if not one of the clubs that had the most links I think even this time last year under Comparada the previous president yeah, there were scandals yeah. where the battle were being used as, as security at the stadium and checking tickets and all this kind of thing mm. so to go from that to basically putting away all the support is, is fantastic it's a massive step yeah which is another reason why it's so, such a brave move from Cantero and yeah. in the well in that Arsenal Arsenal game um you had uh, he he banned I think three of the heads of the banner from from in, coming into the stadium at all, including the the head of the lot whose his name I think we should mention because his nickname is Big Baby. They both there very oh, very mafioso. Um, <laughs> anyway, they they were it's, that was at Arsenal the San Andy Stadium, which is a tiny little thing, and so they were outside throwing in rocks uh, at some point during the game. Um, was the game stopped? Or I can't remember. Yeah, 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 well, yeah it, was, it was paused. Not, yeah. not officially stopped, but they added like 
yeah. 10 minutes of injury time or something. Right. And the other amusing thing with this is that, uh, well, not amusing, it's quite sad really, but uh, the, the head of Nevada is now having a, a press conference on Friday, uh, which just shows the state of, you know, the, sort of the influence that these Maras have, that but one of them. Yeah, and, and also that that press conference is, is set to be in Puerto Madero, yeah. which is <laughs> essentially you know the, sort of the, the, the wealthiest, most expensive district or area in, in mm-hmm. Buenos Aires, and the fact that his lawyer uh, <laughs> have their offices there also points to yes. you know um, the resources that he has. He reckons he has a, a incriminating tape of Cantero saying something. Um, <laughs> Cantero didn't seem worried about it when I saw him in interviews uh, last night or a couple of nights ago. He said, I haven't said anything. But, you know, we'll see what he has. There, there is, I, I do wonder whether, when you said the Zenith, I'm not sure if it's, we should be talking about the Nadi really. Well, yeah. Because it's a dreadful situation and you do wonder just quite where it's going to end because, um, as you said, Beboto thinks he says he has incriminating um, information. Uh, they, they, Independiente said, you know, will the Barra have, have a list of phone numbers, I mean they've got contacts that, that is their most powerful weapon really. They walked into the uh, the club headquarters, nobody stopped them. As you said, on Friday night the fans are gonna uh, meet there but you know you just wonder how long this this level of uh, this situation can carry on until there's something pretty serious that goes on between the fans that are against the Barabra and the Barabra that are insisting on maintaining their power at the club. I you know, get the feeling there's very difficult for something not pretty serious to, to happen yeah. very soon. Especially when you hear yeah. this kind of has muted support, as Dan was talking about, yeah. from, from other people in charge. That's, that's the worrying thing, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got to think that before it kind of gets better, it's going to get messier because maybe, as you know, as foreign journalists who have come here to Argentina, obviously, we all, we've all like, we're all pretty um, glued up on Argentine football, but maybe we can't appreciate that these groups have been around since the 50s, the 60s. You know, this is something that's completely embedded in Argentine football coach, culture. You talk about people that are our age, 40, 50 years old. They've never seen football any other way. Mm. So it's kind of a natural thing that you've got these groups are So it's definitely going to be a cultural shift and it's not going to go without a fight, I don't think. Absolutely. Um, um, the, the other point which uh, kind of follows on or, or indeed is linked to what Dan and Joel have just said, the Dans and Joel have just said, um, is that you know the, these fans, the, the normal fans who are meeting and, and protesting against the Barra, are not all themselves going to be you know necessarily like Buddhist monks in mass <laughs> protest or something. You know, if, if the Barra decide to head down there as well, they could very well. Be. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not so sure because this is this has got. Um, I mean, Cantero met with Salvemos al Football, which is the NGO that does a lot of work with, with about violence in yeah. football, and he met with them before, while he was doing his campaign, and and he, he carrying through what he said he promised there um, to uh, to Salvador sort of football but I think a lot of people are getting behind this and they see that, that if someone if, if the president of a club like Independiente one of the five big biggest clubs in Argentina does this and continues with it there's going to be a point where there's pressure from all the other clubs mm. and their supporters to say well hold on Independiente have done it they have one of the most powerful battles yeah. in Argentina I want my club to do that as well because I don't want to have be beaten up on the way into games just because I don't agree with these guys taking money from the club. So, I, I mean, I saw it at River Plate at the weekend, the Borrachos del Tablón, the, the, the River Plate Barras came in, and usually you have the whole stadium singing Llegan los Borrachos del Tablón, they've arrived, and the, and the words are, you know, the, the, the fans have arrived, and on Saturday, um, everyone else apart from them Apart from in the popular, the standing area, we're singing "Stop them then," and we're singing "Soy de River." I support River Plate. Mm. So that that was a way that what I'm getting at is that I think a lot of fans are saying are seeing this as an opportunity and a time to say no to stop uh, the Barbados influence in club. It's very difficult to stop, but if if Cantero at Independiente does manage to do so, I wonder whether it can just set the ball rolling and it, it uh, could well be a Rubicon of sorts. For Argentine football, the optimists amongst us, <laughs> yeah. us have yeah. to come out at some stage and think that they can do something about this because it's obviously a yeah pretty bad situation. Indeed, absolutely. Um, other results from the weekend. Uh, now that we've discussed that, um, Lanús is one 0 win away to Godoy Cruz, and it looks almost like Lanús, some of their form in the Copa Libertadores, is is carrying over into the league now, just as their Copa Libertadores form itself <laughs> deserts them. They they play. 
after we finish recording tonight uh, but they're 2-1 down from the first leg against Vasco da Gama in the last 16 I think that's a pretty reasonable result to bring back from Brazil yeah, yeah. 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 the away goal is going to help definitely um, and it should be an interesting game actually uh, I'm going to look forward to trying to, to catch it uh, Banfield lost yet again at home to San Martín de San Juan um, Banfield were uh, we, we were talking about the promedios just before we started recording um, the, the relegation points average system that uses the last three seasons and which as we've discussed many times before on Hand of Pod um, means that a single really good season can then keep a team out of danger for the, the two seasons thereafter um, um, Banfield are a brilliant uh, example of that in, in the current relegation table because in 2009-2010 which of course is going to be cut off at the end of this season from the, the standings they got 73 points since when they've got 47 last season and they've got 21 so far this season and their run of form is now so bad that San Lorenzo and Tigre are suddenly only 6 points behind them in the standings and Banfield started off because of that 73 point season somewhere up around 6th or 7th in the promenial table at the start of this season um, the fact that they're now actually in danger of being sucked into this year's relegation battle that really shouldn't be possible with a, with a 73 point season on their promenial standing it's just astonishing um, you know to, similarly Argentinos also got 73 points that same season they only managed to win uh, seven points more than Banfield last season, fifty-four <coughs> against forty-seven, and yet they're up in fifth in the in the Premier standing now. So, you know, Banfield have been, have been shockingly bad in in the last few months. Them and Olimpo, possibly the two worst top-flight clubs anywhere in the world at the moment, guys. <laughs> I think. Well, the thing about Banfield as well off, is yeah. that even if they do survive this year, they'll almost definitely get it on next year. So. Of course, yeah, like, yeah. What's yeah. the point of it? Precisely, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> they might as well just go down now. Yeah, yeah, I, would ask, I would actually ask to go down and right. hide in the shame for a year and then come back. They had, a, they had a very bad record, obviously. A dreadful story there from the yeah. uh, player. Yeah. You see, back was. Lautaro. Lautaro. God, we should have looked at that. Thank you, yeah. You've seen player on loan at. Tristan Suarez, I think, mm-hmm. um, but he'd been earmarked to replace Tagliafico at left back for next year. Obviously, uh, Tagliafico is goes to Barcelona. Is yeah. his rumours go to Barcelona? He'll go somewhere, whether it's Barcelona or not. Um, and yeah, this guy was earmarked to, to replace him in the first team. Uh, he's, I think, he was part of a very successful youth team at Banfield. They won one of the. I know they won the reserves, I believe, in yeah. 2009, uh-huh. and he was also in the Argentina under-20s team in that yeah. year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, decent. Police officer shot him, shot him dead. Um, he's got a two-year-old son, I think. Um, and the the police officer's detained, and it's it looks like it's um, yeah. it's good. He's he's going to go to jail for it. Yeah, which is quite like because I think it first came out in the news that he kind of got caught up in a shootout yeah. between yeah. Uh, between a couple of thieves and this police officer. But it now turns out as the as the news was coming out, and thanks to his family, who've been really vocal trying to uncover the truth what happened was this police officer basically came back and saw I think two guys trying to break into his sister's car mm-hmm. so he immediately you know, off duty pulled out his gun and started firing and Bulgato unfortunately was just coming out and getting into his car at the same time and caught one in the lung yeah. so his, yeah, his family are absolutely livid they want justice and but it's a, it's, a, it's a huge story, not just because he's a footballer, though, yeah. but it's been you know, given sort of 20 minutes on the national news every day yeah. this week yeah. um, because because it's another case of, yeah. of the police. Uh, yeah, it's a big issue yeah. here, kind of, this um, idea of impunity for the police. Yeah. I remember at one time for a different publication, I did a non-football piece. I do write occasionally, you know, non-football, uh, about this whole thing where, you know, lives of young kids in these kind of peripheral barrios is just cheap. And there's a lot of lot of stories like that, and hopefully, you know, because this this guy's a bit more high profile, it might get a m- bit more publicity. Yeah, they, uh, it, it, it's strange that we we've just been talking about the Barra Bravas and their their influence, and now we're talking about the police and their propensity for yeah. shooting innocent young <coughs> men or whatever. Um, and in a way, it's all part of the the same problem in 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 some ways, at least in in Argentina in general, to kind of. A disrespect for authority and authority not always deserving any more respect than it's actually mm. given um, and it all helps to, to feed into the same thing 
Um, and that, of course, is going to make Banfield's match this weekend enormously emotional as well because it's the, the classic guys, Lanus against mm. Banfield. Um, so whether I'd imagine there's going to be some kind of <coughs> display or, yeah. or you know display of, of affection for. Well, they have a minute silence, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to be an emotional occasion for all concerned yeah. um, other matches that we haven't yet covered we've mentioned all of the we had um, all boys nil San Lorenzo nil <laughs> uh, we had of, of course the, the match that, that myself and English Dan were both at as well uh, Racing 2-0 win over Estudiantes a second consecutive home win for Luis Subaldia mm-hmm. back on winning terms again after losing 3-1 away to Lanús last weekend yeah. um, Dan as a Racing fan you, you had quite a bit to say last week about their dreadful performance away to Lanús what did you make of this week's it was nervy wasn't it it was nervy yeah but overall I think Racing deserved to win they, they played a lot more fluently than they had before they started uh, without Gio Moreno he was on the bench and Farinha a young I think he's 22 23 mm kind of a young Inganchi came in and played very well until he came off at half time I believe and the team yeah they, they played with a lot more purpose they used the used the whole pitch well used the flanks and maybe a little bit fortunate with the first goal it was a corner that, uh, free kick that came in and sort of bounced off a few bodies before the marksman you know Par excellence, Lucas Abadania poked in. <laughs> very good finish, incidentally. It was a very good finish, yeah. The, and behind the, the standing leg, yeah. kind of nutmeg. Yeah, yeah I, think, back, back I think for Racing fans, it was just a massive relief. Even more so, you had in the second half, uh, Gilles come in and scored a lovely, lovely goal where he beat a couple of guys and just chipped it over Andujar. Almost and the first thing he's done all year. Almost, yeah, not far off. No, he has been a bit better this year. I mean, had it, in the last few I mean, games, yeah. Not, not all year. The last few games, yeah. under Zawendir, he's he's been showing a bit of improvement but I think yeah the feeling in in Racing was just relief you know after the defeat against the Lanús people started looking at the relegation table again and thinking oh kind of six seven points that you know if we carry on playing like this you could easily get dragged back in and to get the win yeah it was it was huge yeah but it was quite a nervy second half I had a I was in almost the same area of the stand that you were actually I just had a more elevated view because I was in the tier above where you're, on the, you're on the um, Barra Valencia uh, no I, I was <laughs> almost uh, looking down on them um, and I'd, I'd agree I, the first half hour I thought both teams were shocking um, and mm, yeah, Racing kind of came into it more when, when Lucas Castro already started to, mm. to boss the left flank yeah. um, I think Castro for me is probably was, being, know, one of yeah. the fouls on him was what led to that free kick from for the goal yeah um, and yeah, the second half they seemed to, you know, Subaldia was getting visibly frustrated with them as well over on the far touchline. He was ranting and raving yeah. and punching the ground at one point. Yeah, they sat back a bit too far, but and, yeah. they kind of got away with it because the Estudiantes were kind of so bereft of ideas going forward. Yeah, and, and obviously yeah. I mean, Subaldia is going to take some. Almost dropped the microphone. Subaldia is going to take some time. It's going to take some time to to get his his ideas across. And in the meantime, it's it's going to be nervous at times, given yeah. how you know the, the whole squad is still being affected, probably by by the let's say mismanagement of, of Alfio Basile. Um, but Gio's goal really was magnificent Top from, from Morata sitting. It, it, the way that it looked just a little bit like he just knocked it slightly too far and was going to get mm. beaten to it as well and you're thinking oh god yeah. no he's going to have to stretch for this and then just then you just remember he's got bandy legs so he just kind of sticks out and controls yeah. it yeah absolutely there is a great YouTube video of that goal from must be near where, you, where you're yeah. sitting because it's uh, right from that above angle from sort of behind uh, mm. yeah from behind the goal where, where I was standing that was a uh, fantastic view of it yeah I'm yeah. very happy but I think yeah probably the more pertinent question from that game is what's happened to Estudiantes because I believe that was the sixth loss in seven games and yeah. you know pretty okay. much coinciding with the time we said um, as Gonzalo just completely turned around the team the championship contenders <laughs> and yeah, now yeah, and now it appears you know they're looking for any coach going they wanted uh, Pellegrino who was assistant to Benitez in Liverpool but he decided to go to Valencia for some reason and then then it came out that uh, Carlos Bilardo was, was set for a return but he decided not to and now they're going all guns for one of our favourites on Handapod um, Jorge Saupauli the Universidad de Chile coach quite a change in philosophy between two prospective managers there isn't it yeah Bilardo says no oh well we'll go for Sampaoli instead <laughs> 
And Martin Palermo was also being nice. Who God knows what philosophy he did. <laughs> Martin Palermo apparently visited uh, Tigre's <coughs> training session earlier today and, and told Roba Reina that he needed a, a, if he needed an, an extra striker up front, then you know, give him a, a call. They're good friends, of course, Mario Roba Reina. Right. Uh, Either that or his son, I'm guessing that. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, yeah, Martin Palermo would be uh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, he's going to start at some stage. He's always said that he wants to, and he's talks yeah. about the kind of people who would be his influence. He's obviously played under Bianchi an awful long time, so he's you know one of the uh, the great club coaches of all time in Argentina. So, mm. so he's obviously worked under some of the some of the greats. But I mean, it's just a, an unknown quantity. Yeah. Precisely, and it's kind of uh, it's an amusing image to to think of from what we've seen of. Of his his style, a, a magnificent finisher, but a slightly let's say agricultural in terms of yeah. the, the style of play. That well, I don't know. I think I think he has taken nine points out of, out of nine, right? With, six uh, out of six. Six out of six. Well, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to be nine out of nine. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, in, in, in his uh, in his first in his first job in coaching, yeah. um, he hasn't done any youth team coaching before. You know, he's, no. so um, yeah, we, know, yeah, we talked about him a couple. Like, uh, he strikes me as a bit more. Intelligent guy than Palermo. I don't know. I but think, this is, this I think Palermo's always done. had a pretty, a pretty decent football brain. Like, yeah, his body lets him down because he was always a lumbering kind of awkward forward. Yeah, that's that's exactly, what I mean. exactly. You don't score the goals you score without being able to get in the right place at the right time and yeah. being able to read the game. No, that's so that's, I that's exactly what I mean. Yeah. So I'm, I'm saying that a, a kind of viewing of, of his career as a player, <laughs> you'd probably say he doesn't appear to be the you know just like. Mark Hughes, who many people or, or anything that people put down as being lucky because they're always in the right place at the right mm. time, and it's just a fluke that they score so many goals. Well, there's a reason for that, and as Joel's already said, Palermo has learned from. You know, he, he can't have played under all those managers and not picked anything up from them. Yeah. So although you know, some of us sort of might smirk a little bit when saying yeah, he's going to be a manager one day. Let's see how that goes. I mean, if, even if you take it. the example of um, Sir Alex Ferguson, you know, probably the most successful manager more or less in the history of football and in his playing days you know he was the same kind of a lumbering forward loved to kick people in the legs and scored a hell of a lot of goals yeah. yeah came out and yeah so I think yeah maybe these kind of forwards are a little bit underestimated when it comes to their football knowledge but I think he's got the the capacity to surprise yeah. mm. I don't know and it's really hard to tell what he's going to come up with we're going to have to see but yeah. I'd put him more in the Alan Shearer category I think <laughs> those kind of forwards I suppose more than anything it's just you mean Alan Shearer's manager yeah exactly <laughs> right yeah. Uh, more than anything it's just it's a strange situation because as you said the the names being discussed are, are very, uh, incredibly disparate yeah. and they, they have no there's no uh, nothing no. that links them in terms no. of experience age or, or philosophy no. so it's kind of putting pictures up on a dartboard and just <laughs> chucking them so it's, it's impossible to know where who will end up getting the job um, the Sampoli situation seems like it's moving forward but he was quoted as saying that he couldn't work there because it's a club that's always been linked with um, as with Bilardo and, and that style of football mm. he's since said that he was misquoted yeah. I, I haven't heard the original so I'm not, I'm not sure but um, it seems like they they think they're going to they're going to get him but it is a very different uh, vision of how football should be played yeah. that he's certainly been uh, been shown with Universidad de Chile and which is so the Andes is classically uh, sort of linked with so uh, it'll be interesting to see who, uh, who does end up getting the job um, but yeah big job as well because it's um, it, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, the other uh, Primera result of the, the weekend, at least that we've not yet touched on, was Colón's 2-0 win against Belgrano on Monday night, um, which, as we've already stated, Colón have, have very good... Uh, sorry, no, we might have said that before we started recording, actually. Uh, Colón have very good form indeed. No, we did say it during the recording, didn't we? Well, I mentioned <laughs> Tigres next game. Um, one of the two form sides in the table. Um, so the standings at the moment, we've, we've already said that Newells and Boca joint top. Tigre one point behind them in third, Venice one point behind them in fourth, Arsenal one point behind them in fifth, All Boys one point behind in sixth, and Colón on 20 in seventh, and then there's a two-point gap to Union, so the two Santa Fe sides are duking it out as well um, at this stage. Lanús, who've got the Classico coming up, are one of four sides on 17 points. Um, and I'm not going to go all the way down the rest of the table. <laughs> Don't you <laughs> the, the other big results from the weekend were Nacional B in the second division, where um, the gap between first and third, in fact, now is down to just one point because Instituto de Córdoba drew 0-0 against 
Guillermo Brown. Thank you. Yeah, so, of Puerto Madryn. Um, before River Plate, uh, one one nil. Oh God, who was that against? Gimnasia de Jujuy. Thank you against Gimnasia de Jujuy. And Rosario Central won three 0 against Ferro. Huracan. 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 There you go. This is the match we follow. You know the club. Yeah, and I watched at least part of three of those games as well, which shows how much attention I was able to pay to. Oh, Boca won two 0 up. That that really is over then. Mr. Moosh. Excellent. We we called that one correctly at the top of the show. The, the tie's over. Yeah. Um, I realised during the week that it just changed one letter as a name and it's douche. <laughs> Zero revelation. Fitting. Yeah. As well. yeah. Very very naughty. Very yeah. harsh. Yeah. But what? So if he's scored now, that must mean he's scored in a good portion of Boca's last ten matches. I mean, he's, 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 he's found his mojo. He's done a very good uh, Yeah. I make it. 15 <coughs> goals and 8 this year wow. so obviously he's been playing for what, yeah, 40 yeah, years 5 years his record was like 8 in 72 games yeah, yeah. Like before this year yeah so he's got as many so far this season as yeah, much, twice, yeah. almost twice as many so far this which season which probably time, was yeah. always the, the difference between him being like a top prospect and, and mm. just mm. kind of a, a his lack of goals yeah was yeah, the thing like holding him back he's always yeah. Yeah, so, so we're saying that he is now a top prospect. He's now definitely on his way to Barcelona or Real Madrid, one of those right. two. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly Bayern Munich. Man City, maybe. The answer to uh, Barcelona's striking problems, possibly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, actually, following Australian dance suggestion just there, I'd like to say if, if Manchester City's owners are uh, listening to this podcast, please buy Pablo Malcha. <laughs> uh, I, would, I would really love that, and I'd say that as a Manchester United fan. He should definitely be playing football somewhere <laughs> in Manchester, just not at Old Trafford. Um, Unless you want to field him against us in the derby, that would be lovely. Um, <laughs> good. Is there anything else from the week gone? That no, I think now we've covered everything. We like, yeah, we touched on the fact that uh, Facundo Sava keeps up his hundred percent record as a coach with mm-hmm. a win San Martin against. That was Banfield, right? It was Banfield. Yeah, yeah. we mentioned it from the other end, but not the not the San Martin end. Uh, the, the other thing, just looking at the, the Clausura table that's just jumped out at me as well, is that Olimpo have now lost 10 matches in the Clausura. Um, they've only played 13, so they're really, really going some now, aren't they? <laughs> and mathematically, this weekend, they can be relegated, uh, which, given the system of the Promedios and how they work, and that's given that there are still going to be five games to play left after this weekend, is incredible. They would be down to one point per match if they lose yeah. um, against... Oh, you've got the fixtures there, haven't you? Felt that. What would be the record for? Uh, yeah. What would be the yeah, record for a worse single tournament performance? They must be pushing for it, right? Uh, they've currently got seven points, haven't yeah. they? Two wins and one draw. Um, I can't think anybody's gone quite that poorly. Banfield finished on eleven, just in the Apertura, just yeah. now. Um, so yeah, we we could see back to back first and second wow. <laughs> worst ever yeah. short championship records. Um, not counting the as we discussed earlier on the three point for a win. Uh, era and came in a few yeah. years after the short tournament um, so yeah if, if Olimpo win, lose to San Lorenzo this weekend and San Martin and Atletico Rafaela both win their matches Olimpo will be relegated this weekend which wow. is quite something and may also do you think that's going to take any a little bit of pressure off Tigre or would it no I think they already know that Olimpo are condemned so they've just got to mm. keep winning yeah. basically yeah. they've got it clear it doesn't affect, seem to affect the relegation battle all that much at all but I, I think what, what might give Tigre just a little bit more hope is as we mentioned earlier the fact that um, the fact that Banfield are doing so poorly if Tigre have got another side with three seasons under their belt coming into the battle it means they don't just have to concentrate on catching San Lorenzo and being frustrated every time San Lorenzo miss you know match one of their results because they've now also very much got Banfield in their sides in the, in the relegation table uh, and of course hand, on hand upon Tigre are everybody's official second favourite team Indeed. so we're all hoping that they can do that and uh, prove several of us from the start of the season wrong who said that they would go down they've already got more points this season than they did in the whole of last season 50 points last season 51 so far this season um, so it, the impossible dream yeah. 51 is a pretty reasonable tally for a whole season as well. absolutely yeah if they had three seasons of 50 odd points then, I mean, then they'd be safe it was the 0-9-10 and they had 32 which uh, yeah. which is what's, what's killed them off um Right, we're gonna. I'm gonna put the microphone down now. We'll, we'll play some soothing music for the the ears of our listeners, and we'll be back with a few of your questions in a few minutes. Don't go anywhere.
questions uh, have been coming in on the HandaPod hashtag, which stops you from having to at any of us if you don't want to, and it also stops us from having to sign into <coughs> our various Twitter accounts or from the same computer. Um, Andrew Gibney got in first, A Gibney Football, on, uh, A Gibney FTBL on Twitter, um, who asks what Fabian Monson has to do to get a game for Argentina. He scored seven for Nice this season. And are there any better Argentine left-backs? Um, Fabian Monson has had games for Argentina in the past. He played five, I did say five a minute ago when I was looking at his yeah, Wikipedia, yeah. Um, five of the six games that Argentina played during the, the Beijing Olympics, which of course wasn't the full national side. He has also played for the full national side uh, in 2009. He, he featured in the, the, that last World Cup qualifier um, against Uruguay when Maradona threw himself, oh no that was against Peru when he threw himself onto yeah. the ground wasn't it, but when... Uh, when, was it Rodrigo Brania? No, it was. Um, Getting my defensive in midfield Peru? mixed up now. It's no, no, in, against Uruguay. It was. Uh, oh, against Uruguay. Well done. Once again, your added value to the podcast. <laughs> 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 you pay for yourself, just so. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd actually. Uh, would, would kind of agree that one son maybe deserves a call up because the question simply if he came back and played for Boca again he'd yeah. probably be in a, in a yeah in basically a in my opinion what, there's kind of two things that have held him back at least in the last two years I think one is that the last spell he had with Boca say was it 2000 in the start of 2011 he left for France yeah he would have yeah. you know, he's still basically yeah in that time before maybe the year before he was pretty average maybe pushing towards poor like I really didn't see much of him and also I think now you know we have to take your word that he's doing well in France but he struggles from the, probably the same problem that's held back Lisandro Lopez that the French league tends to be off the radar of the Argentine the Argentina selectors and coaches yeah. kind of it's, it's hard to uh, yeah it's not like playing in England and, and in also of, of, of the media I mean it gets and the media on, of course it gets yeah. shown on direct TV but even there a lot of the games aren't shown live they're shown on a you know sometimes a two day delay yeah. um, so it's not as heavily watched as it might be yeah I think he's a similar story to Insua which is that just mm. just never really made that leap forward it sounds like I mean I haven't I mean I, I don't know how he's been playing in, in France I haven't seen have, I haven't seen any of it at all but um, sounds like he's, he's performing well obviously his uh, I mean with the the team that Sevilla has his main role isn't to get forward and score goals mm-hmm. uh, as left back and I think defensively yeah he was I'd be interested to see how, how he's performing but there are other players that look like they're going to get chances very soon Tagliafico we mentioned earlier and also there's the mid, well he's really a midfielder but Bocchi's played quite a bit left back which is San, Sanchez Migno yeah. um, really good player yeah. very good ability I, I think he's better, I think definitely good enough to play in midfield yeah. but I think for him as a personal choice if he were to decide to play left back and specialise there I think it's his, it's his place for, for the next few years because he's excellent Good all-round player, very solid, and uh, obviously for the short term as well, you can call on Clemente Rodriguez, yeah. who played yeah, very yeah. well in the last qualifiers yeah, yeah. and has continued that form for Boca this year. Yeah. It's been very impressive. So yeah, there's a few, there's a few options still, and I think probably Monson is a little bit down the pecking order still. Watch Monson be first choice, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. Next qualifier. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Joseph Sexton, whose Twitter handle is JosephSBCM, um, asks us about Marcelo Bielsa and says, do, you, do we think a really top-tier European club would take him? Or indeed, would he allow himself to be taken by them um, in terms of his character and his coaching methods? Uh, this is obviously partly in reference to the, the Europa League final that was held. Well, well earlier this afternoon, I think what we, for us. we saw when he was looking for a job, uh, when was it, a few months ago, um, before he took this job, that the, yeah, yeah that the big clubs were interested in him, Inter was interested mm-hmm. in him and various others, and he just, and it was basically him that decided not to go yeah. to various places, I mean, he, he was receiving all kinds of offers, mm-hmm. and he really needs the, the environment that, you know, that he needs especially to work in. Yeah. Exactly, but Bielsa is not going to have any problem at all, kind of getting an offer from one of the biggest clubs in Europe and, and turning it down because their philosophy because their style doesn't match what he wants you know he's that kind well, of person well he, he turned down Chelsea because he said he wouldn't exactly, speak yeah, to that's the perfect problem mm. Abramovich yeah. sent people what two months ago to speak mm-hmm. to him and then he said well I'll, I'll only speak to directly to to the people who you know, in charge the president or yeah. chairman or, or wherever but um, so it, as you're right it's, it's, uh, as, as I say, it completely depends on the environment, but that doesn't mean that he wouldn't at all. And, and Barcelona, for example, would be the kind of place where, yeah. because it's a project that's got it, you know, yeah. The, yeah. The, the environment there is perfect for him. But 
Um, I can see him staying at, at Bilbao for a while. Mm. Yeah. Do you think his his style isn't? I don't know. Does it suit Barcelona exactly? As in, like, he's a lot more direct than the Tiki Taka. Yeah. It's, it's probably not the exact style, but I think you probably look at kind of philosophy more than style, you know. Boca are happy to always play on the front foot, always be pressing, and so you kind of, he'd have to iron out uh, a few details, obviously, but if the overall philosophy is there, then he could probably take hold of them. You said Boca then, when I think you meant to say Barcelona. Barcelona, of course. Yes. Uh, Boca are always playing on the front foot, wouldn't <laughs> So that would be, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I also think that he's the kind of manager who will quite happily turn down any any job that he doesn't think he's going to have the chairman's backing for very long with, yeah. which could be another thing behind the choice not to go for Chelsea, yeah. for example. Or yeah, so yeah. doesn't yeah, fancy yeah. being dumped off a boat in the middle of the well, Mediterranean. Well, by definition, that's, that makes it difficult to take on that kind of club of that, yeah, that size, yeah. because all of them, basically, essentially, apart from mm. someone like Barcelona, don't stand by managers for any more than six months no. if they're not Manchester, winning on Everton. Next Manchester United manager? It wouldn't be out of the realms of possibility, I guess. That's <laughs> probably the most positive I can say. Yeah. I, I don't know. I've no idea whether he speaks any English, but um, he would learn in about six seconds. Like yes, yeah, so. he'd, he'd sit down in a <laughs> in a locked dark room with just a single lamp and an English dictionary. Come yeah. back and speak better than all of us yeah. in three weeks. <laughs> uh, on a related note, also clearly Europa League influenced Rob, um, who is Rob El Bueno on Twitter asks can you see Cholo that's Diego Simeone coaching Argentina somewhere in the future um, I actually tweeted immediately after full time future Argentina manager beats former Argentina manager because even if Cholo Simeone was an absolutely bloody dreadful manager which he's not I think he'd be nailed on for an Argent- the Argentina job at yeah. some point in his career if he wants it yeah I agree I was a bit annoyed with Simeone today because I was watching the Europa League final kind of when it was 1-0 and it was looking that Athletic were were pushing on and looking for the equaliser and I thought I was going to be really clever send a smart ass tweet saying ah Atletico scored early and then just sat back and defended where have I seen this before and then obviously Falcao came and scored at the other end and ruined all my my evil but yeah, uh, but machinations it doesn't mean that they were pushing <laughs> forward and attacking as such no I mean so, so you're right I mean yeah. there's two brilliant goals by Falcao that, that gave him that early lead yeah <laughs> but uh, for sure no, anyway, yeah. But we know what kind of coach Simeone is, you know, from, from Racing, from Estudiantes, from San Lorenzo, you know. He likes to play on the counter, he gets men behind the ball, and yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very effective way to play football, especially in, in cups and in the short seasons, as we saw in, uh, in yeah. Argentina. The, the thing that I'm still struck by is that he's now started, he's, had, he's managed uh, four clubs here in Argentina. Four? Yes, four. Yes. Estudiantes, River, Racing, San Lorenzo, not mm-hmm. in that order. Um, he's also managed Catania in Europe and Atletico Madrid. Mm-hmm. And at three of those six clubs, he's started off with a title now. He's got the Europa League with Atletico and he won league titles in his first attempt with Estudiantes mm-hmm. and with River. And certainly what happened with Estudiantes and River before was that they subsequently fell away completely. Mm-hmm. Um, what might have happened had he stayed at Racing for another six months after finishing second in the league? Who knows? San Lorenzo didn't work out for him. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be interested to see what happens to Atletico in the next half season to season. Yeah, I uh, think one thing that's always going to count against Simeone at this point, at least from what we've seen so far as manager, is his volatility. Like, I think what's the longest he's stayed at one club? 18 months, maybe even less. Yeah, tops. Absolutely, absolutely yeah. top. Yeah, 18 months. That was, and that was Catania, who obviously being in Europe you've got much more stability than, than being a manager in was Argentina he, no, he was, no he wasn't there for that he was there for about yeah. 8 months yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh well well there you go okay, exactly uh, so I think that's always going to you know people are going to look at him say if the Argentina comes, job comes up in the next few years they're going to look at his record and unless he stays at a club for an extended period of time well, I'm going to feel like thinking, unless things can be really trusted, pear-shaped with Atletico uh, Madrid yeah. I can see him sticking around there for quite a long time because yeah. he's obviously like very he feels a strong affinity with the club and the fans are you know really love him mm. um, yeah that's, that's a really important point he's a, he's a club legend although yeah. oh, you could argue he had the same at Rassing where he's been a, sure. he's a, a socio yeah. since, since he was a little kid and fans um, can turn especially at Atletico Madrid you know the pressure's always there the, pre- the pressure to succeed for me is always a lot higher than kind of the reality on the pitch kind of with the with the players they have so you know and I, I agree with what Sam said I, I think it's a certainty that he'll coach Argentina one day unless things go yeah right. for sure mm-hmm. 
Um, next question from okay, actually we've kind of already answered this one but I'll mention it just so he knows we're not ignoring him uh, Tom Robinson, Tom Robbo 89 who asks, who is most likely to take over Estudiantes, Palermo, San Paoli or someone else, we've, we've touched on it I suppose and we've also said that it's impossible to say at this stage no, because the board doesn't seem to have any clear I'll say at this point San Paoli, depending on what happens tomorrow with Universidad yeah I'll say he's available yeah Excellent. So not not be loud though anyway. They're on. Not quite sure they can pay the same as Al Wessel. No, no, absolutely. Um, although Maradona was linked with somebody just recently, wasn't he, in Europe? I think. I can't. I, I can't. Yeah. It, it may very well have been making taking the piss, but I can't remember who it was now, so I can't say for certain. And you never know <laughs> with Diego Maradona. Um, Phil Carney, whose Twitter handle is Phil C Carney. Uh, asks us two questions. First of all, Manchester City have been linked with Ezequiel Sirigliano from River quite a lot recently. Is he any good? Um, you can answer this one, sir. Joel, you've probably seen more of him in the flesh than most of us because you've got um, to a few River games. Mini Mastorano, right? He's excellent. Yeah. He's, he's excellent. I think he's, he's, at his age, I think he's more comfortable on the ball than Mastorano. And I think he's um, sort of more creative. He's, he's the way that he's. he's but very comfortable on the ball and, and getting out of problems, basically. So he's, you know, he's more than happy to drop a shoulder and, and, and beat a player to get out of trouble. But distributes it very well. Um, excellent work rate. Um, fairly quiet guy. Keeps mm. himself to himself. Doesn't like the press particularly. Um, but yeah, you're right. They, they were here. What City were here watching him um, yeah. and are really interested. So big possibility. Who else is he linked to? Roma. PSG is another one. Yeah. Well, uh, Roma, right? Uh, but um, but I think he's fantastic. I think he's got a big future. If again, as always, these things always have the you know the provisos that it depends on where they go and, and yeah. what have you. But yeah. certainly for his age, he's he's been excellent. And um, he's also unlike some of Rivers' other young talents. He's already got some experience in the Primera because he was playing alongside Almeida for for several of the matches uh, during the relegation. Um, I guess for someone to learn from, you can't get much better than Almeida. No, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I would answer it on the lines of what Joel's just said. I just thought we'd ask Joel because he's seen him in the flesh more times than I have um, since I've not been able to get to any River games. River season. really dipped when, they, when he wasn't inside. Yeah, he didn't start in, in the eleven this, this season, and then when he did come, come in, he became a really important player for them in midfield. And uh, and again, it happened again when he was he was left out for a couple of games. So um, no, he's been he's done really well this season. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, still very young, he's only like 19, isn't he? Well. Yeah, I think he's turned 20, but so yeah, for, yeah, a, yeah. for a player in that position, uh, similar, I guess, to Mascherano, who was <coughs> captain of uh, Argentina's under 20s at the age of 15 or something <laughs> stupid like that. Um, Phil also asks us Is Diego Valeri right? Can Lanús actually win the Libertadores? No. Mm, probably not. <laughs> I think it's the short answer. Yeah, very this is obviously we're asking this you know, for all we know by the time the podcast gets updated <laughs> yeah. they'll, they'll be out anyway and we'll look <laughs> incredibly uh, clever as, as saying this but um, oh, very uh, at the time of recording they're still in and okay. I'm, I'm going to stick my neck out and say they probably won't win the Copa Libertadores will they get through this round? Um, yeah <laughs> I'll say yes uh, they, they've, they've got the away goal as we said earlier they, they didn't play poorly last week I'm just, um, just going to leave a pause say yes no, <laughs> and you can edit in my later. They won't win this round, but if they had won this round, they would have won the whole copper. <laughs> I see. I'm going to go further and say they would have won the world championship, <laughs> world championship next yeah. year. In yeah. <laughs> yeah. If they just got past, they just got past. Like, when, yeah. when, when River Plate offcast Rogelio Funes up front, banging in goals for them every other game. Yeah. Probably knowing River's recent record with selling strikers. Funes Mori hat trick in the club world championship final against Bayern Munich then. Yes, <laughs> I think that's inevitable. Yeah. Uh, All of this depending on them going through tonight. This, they won't. This is our latest hand of pod. Bet your mortgage on this. <laughs> I'm actually going to go else. online and see what odds I can get for that combination. <laughs> yeah. And talking of completely ridiculous predictions, um, I'm going to play Mystic Dance theme music now, and he'll be back in and telling us what what won't happen this weekend uh, in just a minute. if my voice can last through this but I've got uh, San Martin Arsenal as a draw Estudiantes Godoy Cruz as a draw and I'm a bit worried about that one after we 
didn't quite realize how bad his Sudan has been going lately. <laughs> quite a curse being pretty bad as well. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the thing. Niels to be Union, uh, Independiente to be Always, Belgrano to be Rafaela, San Lorenzo to be Olimpo, Lock that in, that's it. It's <laughs> a short man. Planus to be Banfield in the Clasico. Uh, Tigre to win away to Colón, Argentinos Racing to draw, and Vélez to beat Boca. <coughs> in the Bombonera. Big, as, big uh, shout there. As I hinted earlier on, there are some really tasty looking games um, this weekend. Just uh, Obviously we have Lanus Banfield, which we've already mentioned. It's not only a classic, but it's going to be incredibly uh, emotional uh, anyway because of what's been going on with Banfield. Um, in, in the last week, week and a half. Uh, Tigre Colón, as I hinted, is a clash between the two best sides over the last six matches in, in Argentina. Boca Vélez, what more need be said. Um, and San Lorenzo are probably going to score seven against Olimpo, at least, because uh, Olimpo are crap. Interested in what, firstly about Boca Vélez, what do you guys think about that? Uh, in terms of your prediction or in terms, in terms of your predictions? Oof. I can see it. I'm going to completely cop out and say a draw. Completely yellow edit. Me too, me too, because uh, <laughs> I'm going to give a reason for it though. Uh, uh, I wasn't going to know They're both through for the Copa Libertadores, and it's yeah. really important for both of them. Yeah. Um, I have already written my, my betting previous for Hong Kong Jockey Club for this weekend, and I actually uh, mentioned to them that I'm going to send them an update tonight with the actual prediction, depending on what the two results are tonight, because it's got so much to do with you know when they're still in the Libertadores and how much they're going to be thinking about that and how much they're going to be distracted um, but I'm going to say a draw as well mainly for that reason Can it looks like Bocca is still going to be in it which suggests that Bocca are going to be possibly resting players where they think they can get away with it uh, also perhaps the fact that they're having an easy match tonight uh, they're already two goals ahead as far as exactly, they yeah. um, they'll probably be taking players off in the second half yeah. I was just going to ask can anyone remember off the top of their head who they'll have in the, in the quarterfinals in the Libertadores? No. Because I know Vélez have got either Santos or Bolivar, yeah. which... I don't know, I reckon Bolivar have a chance. Like, I'm, I'm cheerleading for them, but... Yeah, uh, Vélez-Santos quarterfinal is... You know, they're going to have to go all out for that. It's yeah. going to be a massive game. What I wish kind of would have been the final last time around, actually. Yeah. It would have been a fantastic match. Yeah. No, I just think Vélez are, are really, really good at the moment, and... As yeah. showed in the in the couple of different oh, no, no. playing yeah. you know, at the near to the best. Uh Boca and Verse would have <coughs> to, you've said Vellis already, haven't you? I'm not paying any attention. Uh Boca in the quarter final. Well oh bloody hell. Bear with me. Um Right, Boca are in Shave Key H. They yeah. will play in the quarters the winners of Key. A, which, which means, means they will get Internacional Fluminense who Massive threw 0-0 yeah. uh, in Porto Alegre in the first leg last week either one of those is going to be a yeah. hellacious game yeah. would say. And, and that, second leg, that second leg is on Thursday night so it sh- should be after I upload the, the podcast if anybody's looking for a tasty Libertadores game to watch that evening um, try to stream that or something not that Handapod recommends streams uh, Boca apparently 3-1 up the way to Union Española now so they're winning 5-2 on aggregate so I think it's safe to say they are through yeah Riquelme mm. with a goal Riquelme yeah. that man again he's, he's still got it unfortunately there's <laughs> um, <laughs> one journalist described during the week here is the uh, combination of Sally and Iniesta all in one player yeah I don't think there's anything to argue at <laughs> all with in that uh, I'm surprised you didn't add Messi and Aragon as well <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's it's looking. This is a brilliant ending to the podcast, isn't it? Like <laughs> just, all together. All sorts of yes. out, yeah. We don't have anything to talk about now. Um, so uh, th- those are going to be the highlights. Most of those those really good games actually looking like being on Sunday, aren't they? Like Luis Banfield, Colón Tigre, Boca Vélez all on Sunday. Back to doing the racing, don't forget. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know it was just an oversight, yeah. I'm sure it was just an oversight. Although, actually, yeah, one of the things, Dan's gone for a draw there. How are you feeling in terms of Racing's uh, potentially picking up their first away, obviously, in these Copa Argentina games uh, on neutral territory? (laughs) Racing potentially picking up their first away win um, under Luis Zubaldia because Argentinos haven't won a home match yet this this year. They've drawn four and lost two. Um, I can only hope they win. (laughs) I'm I'm not going to be particularly confident because that always blows up in my face, but. 
they got a chance obviously like if they play against if they play the same as they did against Estudiantes then yeah you got to think they have a chance yeah and you would also think that Argentinos won't uh, be able to keep up the same level of play that they did away to Vélez last week now that we've said that watch Argentinos score five <laughs> yeah. um, anyway for, for now thank you everybody for listening uh, thank you gentlemen for, for coming no, we'll thank you say thank goodbye you. for now from, uh, from Australian Dan before his voice completely collapses from English Dan goodnight and from English Joel goodbye and it's goodbye from me goodbye <laughs> no, I thought you were you know, getting left out. Yeah, no, no. I, 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 I appreciate it. We could go for English Juan Mate and Argentine Juan Mate. Yeah, that's true. That's true.